0: Today, on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida.
1: When the Word of God is taught and preached with the power of God, it is alive. It's able to make a man who is sinful full of salvation. It's able to make a man who has no peace to have the peace of God. If you understand the truth and you have no direction and emptiness in your life, it's allowed to bring you fullness and direction. If you allow that powerful living word of God to take you from a place where you don't know where you're going to spend eternity to an assurance of heaven. That's the powerful word of
0: God. When you go to see a movie, you're there to be entertained, to enjoy a funny, interesting, or dramatic story. Then you go home. When you go to church, is it for the same reason? Some pastors tell wonderful stories, weave captivating illustrations, communicate life lessons, but there is little mention of the Word. Withholding the preaching of the Word in a fellowship is to spiritually starve that congregation. The thing about the Word is that the more you hear, the more you're led to continue seeking Him. When you're being fed, you go out and share with others, leading them to a place where they will be nurtured as well. At the heart of everything is the Word. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 25, for part two of our message entitled, Two Deadly Errors.
1: Look back at verse 25. What does Jesus say about life in heaven? Is it going to be a continuation of this kind of life here? Is it going to be exactly the same or a little different? Well, it's going to be a lot different. First of all, there's what? There's no marriage there. Believers will be like angels in heaven in regards to marriage. Notice it doesn't say that you will be an angel. You don't want to be an angel. You will be like an angel. The Bible teaches that when we get to heaven, our earthly bodies will be a lot different. Aren't you glad for that? I won't have to have my Ricola drop or whatever. My body's going to be different. Is your body going to be different? How many like that? Yeah, the rest of you are full of pride. So it's going to be different. <laughs> it's going to be a lot better. It's going to be a lot better. All these people with the lose all the weight kind of gimmicks, they I don't know what they're going to do in heaven, but they ain't going to make it there. In heaven, there's nothing to limit our bodies. No time. No sickness, no death. We don't have to stop by NASA to pick up an outfit when we go to heaven. Our bodies will be perfectly made for heaven. Since there's no death in heaven, what Jesus is saying with this verse, then if there's no death, then there's no need for people to get married to produce children. Because we'll live forever. So there's no need for the marriage bond as we know it now. That does not mean necessarily that we'll be sexless. Because you can go back to the Old Testament and there's some debate about that. We'll worry about that when we get there. All I can tell you is when I get to heaven, every relationship I have will be perfect. Just like they are now, right? (laughs) Not a chance. All perfect. Now, what will heaven be like? Jesus says you can't know it. The unbeliever can't know it. Notice Jesus doesn't start in verse 25b and go on and describe what heaven's going to be. Why? Because my mind has no clue either. I can't even envision what it's going to be like. But I'll tell you this. If God's there, it's going to be millions of times better than where we are right here. It's a great place. I want to go and I'm sure you do too. God's Word has all the correct answers about life and death. Now, if you're Jesus and the Sadducees only accept the first five books of the Bible, which is an error, but they only accept the first five books of the Bible, and you want to show them they're wrong with Scripture, where would you go? To the sixth book? You'd go where? To the first five books. Well, let's look what happens in verse 26. Jesus goes back, you can write it down, we won't go there this morning, to Exodus chapter 3. He quotes Exodus chapter 3, verse 6, which is in the first five books. Here's what he says. Now about the dead rising. Have you not read in the book of Moses... In the account of the bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So if you remember back, God came to Moses and challenged him at the burning bush to become the leader of the nation of Israel. This was hundreds of years after Abraham and Isaac and Jacob had lived. So God comes to him and says, Moses says, well, who are you? And so God says, "Well, do you remember guys' names like Moses and I mean, am I like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob?" Well, yeah, they are patriarchs, man. They are fathers. Notice what he says there. He says, "Well, I was their God, or I used to be the God of Abraham." Does he say that? No. He says, "What I am saying one thing to us. He was still their God, which meant that they had continued to exist after what." Death. they had died hundreds of years before so right in their own scripture Jesus teaches that Moses taught the continuation of life after death and in fact they pose this question to Jesus the Sadducees because earlier in the book of Mark we see on three separate occasions Jesus says to his people he's teaching I will rise again so he is pointing them to their major error and he says to them, in essence, Guys, it's impossible for you to have missed this. But you did. Moses teaches it. The very book, only one of the five that you accept. You're wrong in that. But only the five, and you missed it. And how does he say it? Look at verse 26. He says something very important there. He says, really, the key in that verse, Have you not read? In other words, you're teaching Scripture. It would be like me this morning, teaching you scripture, and I haven't read the scripture. Or teaching you something, and there's no truth in what I'm teaching. And that's why many kids, when they see this name, they say this about the Sadducees. You You see it's sad, you see. What the Sadducees believe. Why? Because, can you think of anything worse than people charged with the awesome responsibility of teaching God's word who don't know the word themselves. And the Bible tells us it's like the blind leading the blind, and they all fall in a ditch. So it's sad, you see, when you have a religious leader who doesn't know the truth of God's word. Do we have any people like that teaching today? Many of our churches don't believe. Well, when you see that, it brings to question a question I want to ask you about. It says this, why don't people know the word of God? Why don't people know the word of God? Let me give you four examples. Number one, they've never been taught the word of God. Some people don't know a thing about the Word of God. Obviously, our movie writers don't know anything about the Word of God. Why? They've never been taught the Word of God. I mean, you would think if you're going to make a movie about heaven, you would certainly at least go to the scriptures and have some guidelines, but they don't have any guidelines. So they just make it up out of their mind what they think it's going to be, or maybe they're into new age. Certainly behind this deception is who? Because he's the greatest deceiver. Number two, there are many people who are being taught only part of the Word of God. Maybe that's part of your background. Maybe you've come all your life and all you were ever taught was only sections of the Word of God. You see, as we're going through the Word of God, it's a discipline thing not only for you, but for me. We're in Mark 12 right here, verse 26. What if I said to you next, we're going to Mark 14, we're skipping 13, I don't really care much about 13, we're going right by it. Now, I might like to do that because maybe there's some broccoli or livered onions in there that I don't really care about too much. But guess what? Broccoli is good for you. I won't go as far as saying liver and lungs is good for you. but <laughs> So you have to go through there and you have to read it. Why? Because the Bible says how much of the Word of God is profitable? All. Oh. Oh. Many people don't know the Word of God because they haven't ever been exposed to much of the Word of God. Now, some of you have a religion that means Sunday morning is your religion. You couldn't go to church on Sunday night because it's against your religion. Change your religion. You're here. Is the Old Testament profitable for you? You betcha. Number three, some people don't know the Word of God because they only believe what they want to believe in the Word of God. This is really what the Sadducees were doing. We'll take the first five books, the rest we don't care about. You can't ever grow spiritually with that kind of philosophy. You either take it all or you take none of it. That's not me, that's God. Who are you to pick the part that you believe is correct. With your finite mind, not a chance. You take it all, or you take none of it. You see, I'm not talking about little errors. I'm talking about deadly errors. What I'm talking to you about this morning is not philosophy or nice sermon. I'm talking about your spiritual life after death. Pastor Bill and Pastor Rick and myself here in this particular fellowship are charged with the responsibility to make sure you get all the truth. We take it very seriously. Some of you don't. You need to wake up. It's your soul. It's your life. It's your family. That's why I titled this sermon, Not Two Little Mistakes, Two Deadly Mistakes. Errors. The last thing is, many people don't know the Word of God because they've never been taught the power of the Word of God. Some of you approach the Word of God like walking over and picking off the latest book and you sit down and read it like a novel. My friend, the Word of God is not like a novel. Let's turn, if you will, in your Bibles to a passage of Scripture to show you how different that is. Hebrews, just keep your finger there and mark, we'll be back. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, quickly. You see, the Word of God is not just something that you read and say, oh, nice concept, and you write it down. The Word of God is actually alive and active. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. God's Word is alive and powerful. Some of you mean, well, what do you mean? The the Bible, when it's on my lap, it's like jumping around and it's going to bite me or something or whatever? No. Let's read what it says. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. When Jesus knew that the Sadducees were wrong, where did he go? He didn't walk over to the West Melbourne Library and pick up a book about philosophy. He took out the word of God and said, here, you're wrong. Here's why you're wrong. Martin Luther says this about the Bible. I love it. The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet and it runs after me. It has hands and it lays hold of me. What it means is this. When the word of God is taught and preached with the power of God, it is alive. It's able to make a man who is sinful full of salvation. It's able to make a man who has no peace to have the peace of God. If you understand the truth and you have no direction and emptiness in your life, it's allowed to bring you fullness and direction. If you allow that powerful living word of God to take you from a place where you don't know where you're going to spend eternity to an assurance of heaven. That's the powerful word of God. And that's what Jesus went to. Now, let me give you two things that will keep you from deadly error. Number one, know, believe, and live by all the word of God. Know, believe, and live by all the word of God. If you're mixing man's philosophy with the word of God, you're in deadly air. You mix nothing with the word of God except one thing, faith. And that brings us to the second point. Second thing that will keep you from deadly error is believe, believe and trust in the power of God. You see, you have to take the word of God and you have to mix it with faith in your life. You have to look at the word we're teaching this morning and saying, it's good for me. It's okay. It does work. It helps. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. In this passage, 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul the apostle is dying. He's speaking to one of his young pastors. When a person's dying, they tell you truth, because they're soon out of here. Here's what he says to his pastor Timothy, the young man. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. By the way, did Paul believe there was an afterlife? You better believe it. Who will judge the living and the dead. By that he means those that are born again and those who are not born again, the dead. In view of his appearing and of his kingdom, I give you this suggestion, Timothy. When you feel like it, when you get around to it, preach a little bit of the word, mix it in with some other good stuff. Is that what he says? No, look at it. He says, here's the charge. He says, what? Preach what? The Word. You know, the stories, the illustrations, all those things are good. They're all part of a sermon. They're all part of a teaching that, because that, that relates to us. But the only thing that will change your life this morning is not that. It's the Word of God. Amen. The rest of it is just fluff. It's there to keep our attention, to move us in direction, think about applications. The thing that will change your life this morning is the Word of God. So Paul says to Timothy one thing. Preach What? The word. I'm so glad I belong to a fellowship where the leadership, the elders, and all of you allow the pastors in this church to preach the word of God. You see, if you didn't allow me to preach the word of God, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I will preach the word of God. And the reason I can preach the word of God is because the eldership in this body. Don't require me to vacuum the rugs, weed the garden, although I do that sometimes, paint the building, do all the other things that make this church run. They've given me the same charge they've given the disciples. Pray, study the Word of God. You see, when I come on a Sunday, when the other guys come and preach to you, teach to you, i spent whatever number of hours it is, anywhere from 10 to 30, in the Word of God, so that I can feed You. That's my responsibility. And I'm so glad I don't have to do all those other things because I've been in the other conditions where the pastor had a few hours to study and that was it. And the feeding is pretty light. But you're blessed this morning to be in a church where the leadership allows us to feed you. You see, the Bible says to a pastor, the Bible said to Peter, Feed my sheep. People are starving for the truth of the word of God. They don't want to hear stories. They don't want to hear philosophy. They want to know answers to life. Where am I going? What's going to happen to my child? When I get sick, when I'm put in the ground, what's going to happen? How can I know God's will? What's the power of God mean? They want to know those things. And God's word has all those answers. So we are challenged to do one thing here. Look at verse 2. Preach the word. That's what I'm doing. With whatever voice I have left, that's what I'm doing this morning. Preaching the word. Look at that verse. Let me tell you this. If we don't preach the word, we have nothing to offer you. Do you know that? You say, why do you get excited about it? Because of this. It's your life. See, I don't want ever to stand before God and you would say, well, you know, when I was in church and you kind of played around with it and you went around it and you didn't. No, you're going to hear the word of God. Now, how is he going to preach the word of God? And look at it. Continue in verse 2. Be prepared in season and out of season. That means when it feels good, when it doesn't feel good. Then he says to preach it three ways. I I personally only only like one of those ways. Let's read the three. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. Which one do you like? If you're a masochist, you might like correct or rebuke. But if you're a normal person, you're going to like what? Encourage. But God's Word, I'm supposed to do it, by the way, with great patience and careful instruction. I think I've got the careful instruction. I'm not sure i got the great patience. So God's working on me. God's word brings what to my life? Correction to those who are an heir. That's exactly what Jesus was doing. So you might have wrong doctrine. God's coming to you. You're going to say, well, what do you mean I have wrong doctrine? Well, maybe you've been taught something in another church, and you come here and you hear this, and you go, Ooh, I can't swallow that. I don't know about that. Well, take the word home, pray about it, and go, is it God's word or not? We're all learning together, aren't we? All different kind of things that maybe we learned incorrectly. Secondly, God's Word brings rebuking to those in sin. There is a word called sin. And when the Word goes forth, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and it goes right in, and it divides your thoughts. And it goes, sin. And it corrects that. Then, lastly, God's Word brings encouragement. To those who are doing good. I like that part. I like to be filled with grace. But see, it's a balance. As I stand before you and preaching and teaching God's word, I'm excited because I see the power of God changing lives every single week. Your life, You're growing. Many of you write to us and say, man, I've been under the word now and I can't believe it. You just go verse by verse. It's changing my whole life. Absolutely, it's changing your whole life. But it is not the talent of the speaker. It is the sufficiency of God's word doesn't matter who's here, as long as the Word's taught. It's not anybody's natural talent. That isn't what changes your heart. It's the sufficiency and the power of God's Word. Now, what happens when you, sheep, are fed healthy? Fed the Word. You, You get healthy, healthy sheep do what? They just reproduce. They just reproduce over and over again. You'll look in your paper today and you'll see an advertisement or whatever about churches. And they talk about belonging to an organization for church growth and how to grow your church and all that kind of stuff. It's okay, I guess, whatever. Let me tell you how you grow the church of Jesus Christ. You teach and preach the Word of God. That's all you need. People come, they get hungry. When you leave here and you go out and somebody says... Do you have any answers to life? When you see this movie, you say, do you know what we could find? Well, let me get you a tape. Come to a place where the word of God is taught. That's how a church grows. Healthy sheep just talk about it and people automatically what? You probably, if you came today, were invited by who? A friend. You weren't invited by our big ad. You certainly weren't invited by our sign out in the street, were you? There ain't one, in case you didn't notice. All right. Look at verse 3. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. By the way, you think it's come to that? Instead, to suit their own desires, I gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. You see, nobody wants to talk about sin and repentance and holiness. And God help us if you're in church and somebody mentions the word hell. Well, Jesus did. When the word is taught and the word goes into your heart, And it finds sin, don't say, hmm, sin, sin, just repent, be adult with it, and get on serving Jesus Christ. Sad to see what's happening. Turn back to Mark chapter 12. God is the God of the living. Verse 27. Jesus ends it very pointedly, and he says this basically, he says this God was never the God of the dead then. He's not the God of the dead now. He's the God of the living. You are badly mistaken or greatly deceived. Here's what he says to the Sadducees. God's whole purpose in this earth, listen to me, is not death. God's whole purpose in this earth is what? Life. He came to give us life more abundantly. You see, the book of Ephesians tells us this, that before you become a Christian, the book of Ephesians says, you who were dead, spiritually speaking, in your transgressions and sins. And the only way to get from being dead in your sins to alive in God is through the cross of Jesus Christ. There's only one way. There is no other way. Man comes up with a million other ways, but if you are going to be living inside and you have to be transferred from the dead state you're in with sin to hear, you have to repent of your sin, realize you're a sinner, be sorry for it, ask God to help you, give a direction and change in your life, accept Jesus Christ, work on the cross for you, and enjoy life.
0: As we heard today, a common reason for people misunderstanding scripture and the truths about life after death is that they've only been taught a part of the word or they believe only the parts that suit them. As Pastor Mark reminded us, God's Word is alive and powerful, and knowing it is vital to understanding His will for mankind. He is the only God of the living who came to give us a full life here on earth and forever after. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, a teacher of the law will ask Jesus about the most important commandments. His answer is one that will encompass all the commandments because in order to fulfill it, it requires obedience on the part of the believer. We'll see that love and obedience perfectly blend. Pastor Mark will explain what Jesus means by love in this passage and how it differs from the one we typically associate with that word. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living.